I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You're tuned to the Steve Donahue Show on CPL Radio, your one-stop daily source for Steve's take on the world of books. And now your host, the book critic who literally reads everything, Steve Donahue. Greetings, fellow patrons of the Cedarburg Public Library, and welcome back to the Steve Donahue Show, where we discuss bookish news, views, and reviews with the forbearance of the angels. <laughs> and some days, my fellow patrons, that forbearance is harder to come by than other days. Ever since the Nobel Committee decided to award the Nobel Prize in Literature to Bob Dylan, I've largely determined to ignore literary prizes completely, to note the winners as a matter of factual helpfulness, but not otherwise to care about long lists, short lists, or actual claimants. The fact that the Nobel Committee debased the century of their legacy for the sake of one cycle of news headlines broke the hold that literary awards just in general had had on my reading attention. It disillusioned me quite literally by shattering the lingering illusion I had that literary awards had anything to do with literary merit. I know, <laughs> I know, that's an embarrassingly naive illusion. But I held on to it nevertheless. The Nobel Prize, the Pulitzer, the Booker, the National Book Award, I doggedly thought that the people and organizations running those awards would care enough about their legacy those lists of previous winners, to safeguard those legacies from obvious dropped balls. It doesn't always work, of course, and I know that. We're all familiar with the easy articles about famous authors who've never won Award X or Award Y. But I nevertheless held on to the illusion that all the various awards committees actually meant the high-sounding rhetoric they put out every year. Rhetoric about being dedicated to rewarding the best literature of any given year. Some shred of that illusion was still lingering, I guess, because I felt it go when the shortlist was recently announced for the UK's Booker Prize, which touts itself as rewarding, quote, the finest in fiction every year. 
I was reading about it all over again in the New Statesman recently in an article by someone named Ellen Pearson Hager, uh, who joins the rest of the industry in commenting that the Booker's shortlist was, quote, the most diverse in the prize's history. It should be pointed out right away, for those of you who might be unaware of 21st century euphemism speak, that it's not literary diversity being referred to here. It's personal, biographical, even biological diversity among the authors. There are six books on the shortlist. Four of them are authors of color. Four of them are by women. And despite the Booker being a UK award, only one of the authors on the shortlist is actually from the UK. And the choice of the six books, according to Ellen Pearson Hager, is designed, quote, to shine a spotlight on brilliant writing. <laughs> I was among the many awards watchers who were shocked by the omission from the long list of Hilary Mantel's The Mirror and the Light. I was shocked by the omission of writers like Maggie O'Farrell or Marilyn Robinson or Colin McCann. And I was extra puzzled uh, by sentiments that are reflected in Ellen Pearson Hager saying that this shortlist demonstrates the industry's commitment to do better. Do better at what? <laughs> you might ask. I certainly did. Do better at that goal of shining a spotlight on brilliant writer, on brilliant writing, I'm sorry to say, brilliant writing, the Booker's self-professed reason for being. No, <laughs> no, that's clearly now a ridiculous idea. And the ridiculousness is underscored by another statistic from that shortlist. Four out of the six books on it are debuts. The work of authors who've been sharpening and deepening their craft for decades was disregarded in favor of first-time efforts. There are two main things that can be inferred from this fact. The first is obvious. Nominating four debut novels out of a list of six means the Booker judges most certainly aren't trying to shine a spotlight on brilliant writing. That quest might lead to one debut novel making the shortlist in a given year, maybe two, but the majority? That's a prize committee openly signaling that it no longer prioritizes brilliant writing, since the alternative would be the nonsensical contention that writers never get any better at what they do. No, this is a, an open contention that the prize is prioritizing other things. Uh, and what could those other things be? Well, since those four debut authors obviously have no bodies of work to form the basis for judgment, it inevitably follows that the basis for judgment must be something else. And the only, thing, the only other thing it could be is non-literary. Not the author's works, but rather the author's biography, their personal story. Four of the authors on the Booker shortlist this year are, as noted, people of color, and four are women. And to me, it seems inconceivable that such ratios would have obtained if the judges hadn't known those biographical details about the authors going in, which means the books were chosen for explicitly non-literary reasons. In her New Statesman article, Ellen Pearson Hager makes this fairly explicit when she's writing about Hilary Mantel, whose Wolf Hall and Bring Up the Bodies each won the booker. Uh, Pearson Hager writes this, and I'll quote it for you. Mantell's The Mirror and the Light, the final novel in her Tudor trilogy, follows two previous Booker-winning installments. On its publication in March this year, it made chart history when a copy was sold every 2.7 seconds. And had she taken the title again this time, Mantell would have been the first author in history to win the prize three times. But this is 2020. The Booker shortlist makes clear that sales and status don't count for everything. This is no doubt an accurate reflection of the current thinking in the awards world, 
and it could scarcely be more cracked. Quote, the Booker shortlist makes clear that sales and status don't count for everything. Yes, indeed. They obviously count for nothing. The status, the literary worth of the books themselves has been sidelined in favor of social work. Readers can look to the Booker Prize and in due course all literary awards, not for that spotlight on brilliant writing, but rather for condescending pronouncements on which minority groups quote-unquote deserve more representation. When readers encounter one of those gaudy Booker Prize stickers on, uh, on a book in a bookstore, their reaction won't be what it's always been, which, is, which was, hmm, so this might be very good. Instead, their reaction will, will now be, and will have to be, hmm, I'll have to remember to Google this author's skin color, country of origin, and preferred bed partners once I've got a spare minute. And I don't know, maybe it's for the best. <laughs> when you think about it all, all literary awards have always been improbable at heart. A small gaggle of judges through which a veritable fire hose of new titles is funneled in a cripplingly short period of time, always with the aim of spotlighting the very best of the best in any given year. Maybe that model was always impossible. Maybe it should be shoved aside in favor of prize committees, giving woke scoldings to readers who are just looking for good books. Is it possible that the four debut novels on the Booker shortlist are all better than the works by seasoned professionals that were ignored? No. No. That's not possible. But it is guaranteed that those works by seasoned professionals would have uh, been worthy uh, of being spotlighted as brilliant writing. Can we take that for sure? No, there would have been disappointments either way. No, it's that that's not guaranteed either. Uh, so the many people who will abandon the Booker because of this year's blatant turn away from literature and towards social work, uh, well, what are they really losing? Most of them will still find their book recommendations the same way they always did, by casting around, by consulting with bookish friends, and by a healthy dose of instinct. I myself will miss the Booker, but after 2020's experience with it, I doubt I'll even glance at it next year, and I doubt I'll pay any attention to the person who eventually wins this year. Because I know what cannot be avoided anymore when looking at the long list and the short list, which is that that winner will not win for literary reasons. And not, not to be extra blunt on the subject, but I couldn't care less what the Booker Prize judges for any year think are socially important issues. I have my own ways of judging socially important issues. I watch the news. I read <laughs> myself. I don't need instruction on these things from anyone else. Uh, and since that's the only element that's left... That would be the only reason to pay any attention to the winner. Uh, and that's a fairly somber note on which to end our little chat today, isn't it? <laughs> and you know what that means. Yes, indeed. It means I owe you some fun next time. <laughs> so with that promise, I'll sign off for now, fellow patrons. I wish you a very good bookish day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. The Steve Donahue Show is a production of CPL Radio a service of the Cedarburg Public Library located in Cedarburg, Wisconsin. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.